Should you take that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm Allie Grant. And I'm just you. Welcome to Follow Me, your resource for all things influencer. Brought to you by The Social Group. Now, let's see who we're following this week. I did sit down and like write notes. I'm like, how to blow up? How to this? And then I'm like, this is too much. And it's like, I lose my personality in that structure. And on TikTok, how you are successful is you're just your raw, authentic self and you do things your way. That's how I see like the Alex Earls and the Kennys, like they just, they're, they're themselves. Welcome to the Follow Me Podcast, your resource for all things influencer marketing. All right, let's get into it, Jess. Who or what are you following this week? Hi, everyone. So this week, I am following this interesting news article from Fast Company, essentially saying that TikTok marketing is still at its highest, which is very surprising because, Ali, you and I have talked about the downfalls of TikTok and what it's been doing and being banned from government devices and it's being restricted on state university campuses. And we've talked to our talent about the ramifications of TikTok being banned across nations. Um, But this Fast Company article is so interesting because contrary to the TikTok critics, people are still spending money on TikTok. I believe it. I believe it. I feel like for every dollar that brands spent on influencer marketing that like once went to Instagram, I'd say 50% of it is going to TikTok now. And I strongly believe that. So if you're a creator and you're not on TikTok, you're missing out on 50% of your potential, in my opinion. And I think it shows you need to diversify your channel so that if a TikTok does go down or if an Instagram does go down, that you still have a revenue stream. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. But this article is interesting because um, they surveyed 50 U.S. ad buyers and found that 60% of those ad buyers are naming TikTok as their preferred short-form video venue, which is huge. Mm. Yeah, that is huge. I think, too, you're also seeing a lot of, like, boosting happening when you're doing, you know, TikTok ads and stuff like that. I do say it. I do think it's hard for brands to be successful doing a paid collaboration with a creator on TikTok without boosting the content. But when they do boost the content, it reaches millions and millions of people, which you don't typically see on Instagram. Yeah. I would say that Instagram stories for brands, it's easier for us to track, you know, the link clicks, the analytics behind it. That's where TikTok hasn't been mastered. But I think in terms of brand awareness and Obviously, this article says short form video. It really captures the audience in a special way that, you know, Instagram and YouTube just haven't been able to replicate. So moral of the story, get on TikTok if you're not already because the brands are spending dollars there. Yeah. And we'll see what happens to TikTok in the next next upcoming months. I, I don't say. even follow that. I like I can't even keep up. So it's, it's semi banned in like a few campuses. It's banned on a few campuses, like I think UT Austin. Um, I want to say like a lot of the red state campuses, like I have banned it on campus Wi-Fi. And then in turn, government devices are no longer allowed to access TikTok because the government is worried that ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, which is based in China, are using our data and data mining essentially like very secure 
data on our government, essentially, and spying. <laughs> wow. Okay. So how about just like the spies don't create content on TikTok and just let us normal people just keep the like dances and funny stuff going? <laughs> yeah. Ali for president 2024. <laughs> I think that's oh. your main platform, right? <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know if I can handle like TikTok leaving us, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of my obsession these days. <laughs> you sad. heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Ali Grant for president. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, well, anyways, let's get into our guest for today. I'm so excited to introduce our next guest, Tudo. I've worked with her on the brand side of things. We've become friends. Tudo has spent the last 10 years working in influencer marketing, specifically in the beauty space. She's worked at all the top brands like Hourglass, Summer Fridays, Benefit Cosmetics, now she's made the switch from corporate life to full-time freelancer and content creator. She helps brands build influencer strategy as well as sharing her own perspective on beauty and career on her personal socials. You can reach her on Instagram at lazygirlglam and on TikTok at lazygirlglam22. Ali, what are we talking about in this yeah, interview? Yeah, I love this episode. She also has been on the podcast before, but previously she was like working in corporate life. I think she was actually working at Benefit at the time. So totally different perspective now because she is a full-time freelancer and content creator. So in this episode, we talk about protecting your peace in the workplace. She gives so many good nuggets of advice on that. Navigating corporate life, which is a very difficult thing to navigate as we all know. Going freelance, what that process is like from setting up your business, creating an LLC, getting a lawyer. Um, she kind of unpacks that. And then growing a personal following and finding a niche um, and being successful as a content creator. So let's get into this episode. I'm super excited. Welcome to. All right. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Tudo. Welcome to. Yeah. Welcome to. Thanks we're so excited to have you back. Yes. Which the last time you were on, you were a corporate girly working at Benefit, and now you're a freelance girly, and you're going to chat about that. Yes. But first, we're going to get into a little game called Hot or Not Platform Edition. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Are you ready to? <laughs> I'm a little nervous, but we're here, so let's Don't do it. Don't be nervous. Okay. <laughs> we'll so, edit out. Yeah, right. So we will name a platform, like a social media platform, and you're going to tell us why it's hot or not and like the reasoning behind it. Okay. So let's start with Instagram not oh yeah I feel like I love Instagram but I'm fighting the algorithm every single day and on the brand side working with influencers I feel so bad because when we put that partner hashtag mm. ad to comply with FTC girl it is so bad it never performs so right now it's getting a not for me Ooh, okay yeah. fair we, enough I want to dig deeper into that so what do you tell brands um, when something doesn't perform to their expectations so I kind of just level set like, hey, of course, but legally we have to comply and say it's an ad. So we try to say partner. We try to let the influencer post at their best time just mm -hmm. to see if we can hack it that way. Mm -hmm. But it's still not going to perform as well. So sometimes putting paid behind it can be really helpful. So it's just like making sure the content is really native, organic comes from the heart and we don't like control the wording because sometimes in the caption if you control the wording too much that flags the system and then it doesn't show and it gets like 300 views i know it's this whole thing it's a chase every the day the boosting helps the whitelisting the all of that okay next platform 
TikTok. <laughs> Hot. Hot. I love You've it. You've had like major growth on and you like inspired me to do the like really? face to camera chit chatting because you're you're blowing up and you it's probably helping your business at the end of the day. Yes. So why is TikTok hot? It's just the wild, wild west, and you don't have to be super aesthetic on there. You don't have to fit in anywhere. You literally can be yourself, open the camera up, talk, be goofy, and have a space for yourself, for your audience to grow. And I think on Instagram or other platforms, you just have to be like really cool, really aesthetic. You have to be a part of like a cool group to find an audience. TikTok is just fun for me, and it's mm-hmm. easier to create. It's faster right. than Instagram. I love that. Okay. Snapchat. Oh. Hot or not, baby? I think not. <gasps> Sorry. Sorry. That is so un-Gen Z of you. Are you Gen? No, you're not Gen Z. I'm millennial. Yeah, you're millennial. It's not even on my phone anymore. I, I loved it in college, but now I just haven't opened it. So sorry, guys. Not. I'm on the middle train. Okay. I don't use Snapchat personally. I am a millennial. Am I a millennial? You're a millennial. You like don't try and be Gen Z. You're not. <laughs> sorry. I really want to be Gen Z so bad. I want to take a step further and be like Gen X. But you know, Snapchat though, I've, I've been seeing some interesting things coming from their team. So I want to say kind of in the middle for me. Ali? I'm hot on Snap. <gasps> oh, tell us yeah. more. Hey, talking Wait. about wanting to be Gen Z. Wait. Yeah, I'm hot on it. So okay. they, there's this feature called spotlight which is basically like reels tiktok all the things and they have a creator fund and you can make a lot of money on it oh so something to explore and think about okay next platform youtube oh my gosh hot oh yeah but you were talking about long form hot Hot. how about short (laughs) short form hot so i feel like youtube shorts they're they're having a moment and they're struggling because it's all repurposed content Sorry, I said it. And it has to live on there and it has to be special. Why is your audience going to your shorts and watching your TikToks? They want to see a different side of you. They And I think YouTube is special because there's nothing like YouTube. Like when you're sitting down eating a meal, watching someone do their makeup and like talk about their day, it's a different type of engagement. So shorts, you have to like, you have to spice it up. So I think shorts right now is kind of boring because everyone's like trying to hop on it, trying to repurpose. But I love YouTube. <laughs> this is why I love having creators and like different guests on because we've we've seen it across the spectrum. We love YouTube Shorts. It's just an easy platform to grow because YouTube is obviously pushing Shorts. Yeah. But from your perspective, I totally see that. It's nothing special than going on TikTok or IG Reels, mm-hmm. where obviously the platforms are larger than the YouTube Shorts right now. Which is like kind of against everything we've been telling clients. We're right. like, just repurpose your TikToks on YouTube Shorts. You got this. Now I'm kind of like, okay. Well, Light I think bulb moment. I think when we tell clients that it's more about when clients are like, should I get on this? Is it worth it? And it's like an easier way to kind of like dip your toe in the pools, thinking like you can just repurpose content and just see where it goes with your YouTube audience. So I think there's like hot or not energy for both. Yeah, warm, if you will. Warm. <laughs> Lukewarm. <laughs> um, okay, that's the end of the game. All right, so let's get into where you're at now. You are a freelancer. You just started your own agency. Yes. Talk us through it. Okay, so my agency, it's called That's Over Budget. I love it. And when I was working brand side, all of my managers were like, too, the spending is too much. We got to pull it back. And I said, hey, 
you have to pay to play here and so that's my agency and it's a boutique premium service I'm only taking one to two clients a month mm. I'm not with a client longer than three months I kind of just want to get in there see what they're doing set them up for success and then be on my way I think that's the best I'm with brands like right before they explode that's like my specialty paid partnerships gifting finding the right talent to storytell and I love it. It's only 20% of my time. I don't want to take on 10 clients. I don't want to do it full time. It gives me structure, keeps me motivated. It just gives me just like, it pays me rent. So then my Instagram and my creative side, it's literally just creative. I don't have to take on paid partnerships if I don't want to. And I feel like when you're doing things for fun, it's just way better than being a full-time content creator and feeling all of the pressures. I love your perspective on things because I think, you know, at an agency, from the brand's perspective, you're always thinking like, I want to retain this client till the very end, till they are broken. You know, I want to be there for all the ups and downs, right? Because like you're kind of at this at this mentality of, you know, I want to make as much money as I can. But I also love your perspective where it's like you set boundaries and you're kind of like, hey, I'm setting you up for success. This is what I'm good at. This is, these are the steps. Here you go. Goodbye. And it also gives you time for creative freedom for, you know, influencer life. You are an influencer <laughs> now. Like you've always been on the other side and you, would you call yourself an influencer? Yes. Yeah. Full time. There you go. Ooh, <laughs> wow. And you were a corporate girly. I think I got that from you. That's, <laughs> yeah. am I right? Okay. Yeah. You were at like Benefit, Bliss summer Fridays. So tons of experience there, obviously. Yes. What like what was that moment where you're like, I'm done with this lifestyle. I'm going into the freelance. Oh my gosh. Okay. So like five things. I, I turned 28 and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 28. I'm living this dream. I'm flying business class to Tokyo from San Francisco. Like so luck, so amazing. We're throwing these extravagant brand trips. I'm always on a plane to New York, to LA, San Francisco. And I felt so dull on the inside. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm living this like dream life that everyone would look at and be like, you're killing it, you're amazing. And I felt so dull and I was growing as a person. And also I felt like my idea of success was changing. So if I like closed my eyes and I was like, what is success to me? It would be to live a vibrant life. So like friendship, vibrant, work, vibrant, everything vibrant. And I was feeling so dull and I was like, I need to change. And what is it going to be? So before I got Summer Fridays, I actually was going to take a break. And it was right before the pandemic. And I remember the pandemic hit. I was like, I'm not taking a break. I'm going back to work. Yeah, because it was scary. <laughs> Everyone was kind of like, how am I navigating this? Let yeah, stable. Right. Yeah. And I feel like I couldn't find anything amazing. And then I talked to Blair at Summer Fridays. She was so nice. She was like, listen, we're open. Our founders are content creators, influencers, like we're very easygoing, like come with us. You can do whatever you think is great. We'll support you. And I was like, oh my goodness, like maybe I'll take a chance on them because they've been so sweet and kind to me and it was the best decision. So I did another two years in corporate and then I still kind of felt the same way. And also I was just becoming in my early 30s and I was like the only thing I know is corporate life I only know how to make money one way go into an office work nine to six I love that life but like what else is there for me and like can I have a different routine can I like change jobs because every time you change jobs it's kind of the same thing just with different people and I was like oof like I just want to change my schedule I want to wake up and I actually want to go out on a Wednesday and be like 
what do normal people do who don't work? I don't know. Just like the little things and like go grocery shopping that's not on a Saturday or Sunday. And then maybe just take a break as an adult. Like we never give ourselves any time to take a break. Even during Christmas, we're working. People are like, you have the time off. No, we have last minute partnerships. We have launches, Thanksgiving. So there's no like really big break. And I felt like working through the pandemic, doing all the things, I just needed a break. So it was like the perfect transition. I was like, I redefine my idea of success. I have this confidence now. And then it's just time to take the leap of faith. I think the pandemic also too, like you said, it gives you a new perspective of what a schedule can look like and what success is because a lot of companies have obviously turned hybrid or fully remote and the work is still getting done and people still have that freedom, like you said, to do grocery shopping on a random Wednesday afternoon, grab a coffee and like kind of look out more for yourself in a personal way versus I have to get into the office at a certain time I'm leaving and kind of revolving your life around nine to five. I mean, we made that switch here at Be Social. Like we used to be that, like you're in at nine, you're out at five, like if not longer. And it was, I saw some TikTok that was like, how did we like do things before? Like if you had a package, you would literally like take PTO to run home, get the package, drive all the way back to your office. Now we come in one day a week and the rest is like flex and it is so nice, but everything still gets done, which is good. Hopefully I think anyways. Um, (laughs) Yeah, things are still getting done. I can confirm. Yeah. (laughs) But was like taking that leap of like quitting a job where you have 401k, medical insurance, a salary, like I would be so scared. I mean, I guess I did do that when I started Be Social, yeah. but I was also 24. <gasps> like, it's just oh a different, God. you're different when you're in your 30s. Like, it's just a different time of your life, right? So, yeah. like, was that scary? It was scary, but I felt like I was prepping for it for so long. So, to be honest with you, I've been wanting to freelance since, like, 2012. <laughs> and it took me 10 years to gain the confidence and go through my corporate journey and I think before I turned 30 I was like okay I have all these financial goals I want to pay off my student debt I had some credit card debt so by the time I was 30 I had no debt and all the money that I was making was literally for myself and I made such a good salary in corporate it was so easy to save so for six months before I quit I didn't do anything no takeout no dinners like didn't see my boyfriend didn't do anything and I was like we're saving every dollar and then I, I saved three to nine months of bills. And then I was like, it's time to go. So for at least nine months, if I don't work, I'll be okay. Oh, wow. That is that is super smart. I was yeah. super disciplined. I was like, this is my only priority. No one invite me to do anything. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember you like documenting that on social. Yeah, and I was like, bit. no trips. It was not fun. But I just remember, I was like, if I want freedom, this is this is between me and my freedom. Yeah. And today, are you making as much money as you were in corporate life? Way more. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Allie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, wow. But okay, question about that though. Yeah. Taxes. Oh my gosh. The taxes are so it's scary. It's very scary. So I have I have my business and then I have a savings. So anytime money goes in, 40% sits in my savings. And I'm very strict about that. And I have an accountant that I hired. So it's really good. And last year, because I had a corporate job and I let them do a lot of tax withholdings, 
it wasn't as scary as a freelancer. But that's only because I had my, like, W-2. And did you have someone navigating, like, do I set up an LLC or an S-corp or, like, who taught you how to do that stuff? I learned the hard way. I just did it. So it was, like, one step at a time. So I quit. I had nothing. So people were like, you should stay and, like, like build a following and then leave or, like, stay and work on your, like, agency and then leave. And I was like... I love the founders of the last company I was at. I was like, I would feel so bad to get paid so well and then like secretly work on my thing. I was like, I'm, I just want to clean slate. I just need a break. And then I didn't even get a break. So I announced that I was leaving and I was going to take a break. And then my inbox was like full and I was like, oh my God. So then I was like, okay, the first step to all of this is incorporate myself. So I don't want to get paid as Tudo. I need to set up like an entity, a business entity. So I got a lawyer. I did the LLC. And then I got an accountant. He was like, girl, you need an S-corp. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I got to go back to an S-corp. So you figure it out as you go. But I think the most important thing is just putting one foot in front of the other and not being overwhelmed. So like the only thing I did first was like getting an LLC. After that, the EIN number. After that, a business banking. And then everything else like naturally just progressed and like unfolded. And it wasn't as difficult. But when you like, before you jump, you think of all the things, it's so overwhelming. I'm like, oh my God, healthcare. Oh my it's gosh. a lot. Do you have employees yet? No. Okay. I mean, I have one assistant. Okay. But I pay her on Venmo. Oh, okay. <laughs> you didn't hear that. Yeah, you didn't hear that. <laughs> Taxes. Yeah, I also think um, you're really good about hiring someone that can take you those steps, right? So that's a step in itself, like hiring a lawyer that can understand the legal legalities of it or an accountant, things that you're maybe not superstar at. Yeah. I think that's important, like hiring outside help to make your vision a lot bigger than what it is. Absolutely. Like I started Be Social 10 years ago. There was not as much resource then as there is now. So it's like, if you can't afford a lawyer, if you can't afford a CPA, there is so much, like just look on the internet, there is so much information for females to create businesses now, which is exciting. Ali, I'm like still shook that you're 24, you did all that. I know, I'm still 24. It's very strange. Ali, what was the story at 24? Like, where were you in life? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's make this about me. Um, I was in San Diego. I was working at a social media agency, and I was, like, doing, like, basically, like, face, like, Facebook content and working on, like, blogger outreach. So, like, sending, like, Tori Birch flats and, like, Vic swimwear to, like, mommy bloggers. Amazing. Yeah. Like the Rachel Parcells. Exactly. Yeah. Skinny Confidential. Oh, I love. Yeah. It literally, like, the OG uh, Mormon bloggers were, like, huge and massive at that time. And then, yeah, just, like, did it. But didn't have, like, tons of – honestly, 10 years ago, did not have tons of resource to figure it out. And everyone was like, you're crazy. You're 24. I was like, yeah, I'm 24. This is the time. Like, yeah. I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. Like – so, yeah, anyways, but I think obviously, it's like yeah. vi- a vision too, right? Like happiness for you meant freedom from like a corporate structure and freedom from that. So you took the dedication to like, hey, I'm not going to see my boyfriend or my friends for this amount of months to save because I know I'll be happier nine months afterwards when I'm like done with this and yeah. doing my own thing. All my friends thought it was crazy. They were like, don't do it in this economy. You're going to leave. Like, what are you going to do for money? And I was like, I can always find a job. I'll go to Costco if I have to. Like, I will always yeah. find work. Like, the time is now. Like you said, I was yeah. like, I'm in my 30s. I only know one thing. And I have this passion inside that if I don't, like, express it, I think I'll just die. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. Bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but do you, okay, so, like, starting a business, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have freedom. Yeah. 
But then you kind of like don't have freedom because you're married to your business and you think about it 24-7. How's that been for you? So I feel like it's a roller coaster of emotions. Last year I did a four-day work week and I was like, I'm just going to try this. I don't really need to grind that hard. Like if I just make my salary back, I broke even, like we're happy there. And I loved it, but I got a lot of FOMO and I didn't think I would be a person with FOMO, like business FOMO. Like seeing your other friends get like other opportunities or someone's like, I signed on a new client or like I got a three month retainer with like seed probiotic. You're like, oh, I want one or like, I want that. So I felt like I was back in my corporate mindset of just like hustling and staying busy for the sake of staying busy. And I was like, okay, why did I leave? what is like my intention and like how am I aligned with like what I want to do so it's a practice and I think now it's like a roller coaster and I feel like now I'm just catching my breath and this year all my friends are getting married so I'm like oh I gotta go back to five days a week because <laughs> we're traveling this year and yeah. I'm gonna take time off mm-hmm. so I want to just like q1 really squish everything in work hard q2 maybe take like three weeks off Q3, we're back at it really heavy. And then Q4, just like slow it down 50%. So I think that's the beauty of having your own business. You can like scale up, scale down, depending on like what's going on in your life. And I have really strong boundaries where like I don't really work after four. And my main thing about being an entrepreneur now is like hanging out with my friends. Like I feel like corporate life, I missed out so much. Like baby showers, birthday dinners. I was always so depleted in my energy that I could have gone, but then I'm, I would just sit there and be like, no, like are 100%. you okay? Yeah. I'm like, no, like I'm worried about a Sephora product page right now. We're going live in 10 seconds. And I was like, I can't be here. So I feel like now that's my priority, like hanging out with my parents, hanging out with my friends, spending more time with my boyfriend. And then I have my consulting where like it pays my rent and then everything else is extra. I think basically it's like majority of us are dealing with what's called burnout, right? Like we're chronically stressed because of our jobs, but most people cannot and do not have the privilege of quitting a job. What are your tips and tricks for people who are in that state, have burnout to let go and release while maintaining a corporate job? So when I was at Benefit and when I was at Summer Fridays, each month I'd have a mental health day. Sometimes each month I'll have two, but I'll always take it on a Wednesday or a Monday. So then I can have like a long weekend. And it was so normalized and supported that like, it was easy for us to just log off. Our CEO would be like, hey, if someone's on PTO, they deserve this, leave them alone. So that was really helpful. So making it a point every month to take a day off for yourself. And I would try my best not to do errands. So I would do like my nails and then I'll just like go sit outside in the sun or I'll go have lunch with a friend or I'll just go work out. So that, just putting that into your schedule is really, really helpful. And then also talking to your manager and just being really transparent, like, I love you, I love the team, but unless you hire another headcount, like I just can't take on this work or else I'm like, I won't be here and I won't be 100% and I won't be creative. And that's a really tough conversation to have because you also feel guilty and you don't want to let people down. Because if you say no to it, someone else has to take that work on. Mm-hmm. So you don't want like your coworker to suffer. So you're just trying to best navigate the space. So I think setting the boundary early you can like help solve the problem earlier. Mm-hmm. That's super smart. And you talk a lot about this on your TikTok about dealing with like toxic energy in the corporate world, which there is so much. It's like yeah. competition. It's like so many things. Um, and you've been able to like navigate that or provide tips. Can you share more on that? Yeah, I felt like when I was in corporate, everyone 
everywhere at different jobs or different industries, whether it's in tech or whether it's in food service, we all dealt with the same thing, but we couldn't vocalize it because we were like, people wanted to go to different jobs and they didn't want to, you know, have their future employer see these videos. And I felt like it was easier for me to express because I wasn't going to another job, I was working for myself. So I was like, I'm going to say what I want to (laughs) say. And I felt like there's this universal thing of all of us just feeling the same thing. We just want to be happy. We just want to go to work, make money, and like live our lives. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's like the baseline. And I think no one talking about it before, we all felt so lonely. And we thought we we're just going through it by ourselves. So for me, I was like, okay, I know I'm not the only one struggling with like dealing with a hard coworker. So let's talk about it and like what were my things that I did that was helpful that I can help someone at like 24 or 22. Because a lot of my like viewers are like, I didn't realize this is toxic. I've just been dealing with this for a year. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, These are the steps I did. What are some boundaries that you set in the workplace? I think especially with bullies. So when I was younger, if someone was being mean to me, I would just let it go because I was so grateful to be there. I was like, oh my gosh, like I would kill for this job. Like if I speak up, they might let me go. I might not work, this, that, that. So I think as I was getting older and that was happening, just being more direct and you can be verbal. So if you feel uncomfortable saying like, hey, you're crossing my boundary at work. Hey, would you not ask about my salary? It's making me feel uncomfortable. You can go talk to your manager and your manager can help you write a little passage. Like, hey, I would really appreciate it if like during our lunch, you don't talk about salary or like, where I live it makes me feel really uncomfortable so I think addressing it early and not letting it like bottle up because it kind of just like people test your boundaries and then it gets crazier and crazier and then at the end you explode so you're just like okay how can I not explode at work let me nip it in the butt right now before (laughs) it gets and lose it yeah so it's just I think practicing speaking up is so hard Do you have any tips for approaching your manager? Because like you said, a lot of your viewers, maybe this is their first job or they're new in the corporate world. How do you approach your manager with these like uncomfortable topics? It's so tough because again, like your mindset, right? You're like, oh, if I speak up or if I make waves, it's going to make everyone feel awkward or I don't want to, you know, make it a problem it's already a problem. So I would just put the veil out and put the grateful out because you deserve to be here and you deserve to work at a place that's safe and like supportive. So for me, I just say what's on my mind to my manager. Sometimes it doesn't come out the best way, but I think their job is just to help you be your best and try to like minimize all the drama so they'll really listen and if they're a good manager like all of my managers always stepped in and I had a co-worker so when we would go to dinners we would never get seated next to each other just like little stuff they'd be like okay we got you like we'll make sure you're not in the same group and things like that I think having also like a paper trail of things like that too because you can provide evidence of hey this is a moment where I felt uncomfortable and take it to HR if it if it gets to that level. And I think too it's like there's this fear of coming to your manager with this news like thinking they might be disappointed or that they already know. Yeah. I would say most of the time the manager probably doesn't know and it's their job to fix it. You mm-hmm. know, you can't feel fearful to bring that to your manager unless you're in a situation where the manager is the one that's the bully and making you feel unsafe. Yeah. And hopefully your workplace has an HR or someone you can go to in those instances, but that's a difficult situation. I think if your intention is there too, like if you're stepping in with like positive and good intentions, like, hey, I just like want to get my work done, mm-hmm. any normal manager or normal HR person would understand that and give you grace. 
Okay, enough of the corporate life. <laughs> you are also influencing. Yes. You are a content creator, which what is like your niche, would you say? Like what is your focus? So my niche is like kind of like women empowerment, just talking through like a lot of corporate content, but then I love beauty. So like skincare, makeup, get ready with me. I want to incorporate both worlds. So when I was building my audience, I did the mistake of building new audiences that live on separate platforms. So my TikTok audience is way different than my Instagram audience. Oh, yes. Interesting. Can you go into that a little yeah. bit more? Yes. So when I first started my TikTok account, I was just like, la di da, random, random, random. And then I niched down and then I built this like following of people who just want to come to my page to talk about work, talk about corporate life. And my Instagram followers, they just love anything beauty and fashion. They really love fashion and they really love skincare and beauty, like what's new. And I haven't like been able to like bridge them. So when I do put like career content on my Instagram, people are like, uh. And then when I put <laughs> when I put like beauty content on my TikTok, they're like, uh. <laughs> so ah. this year I'm working on like bridging the gap and bringing my audiences together and just marrying like myself as a whole. Because then one platform they only see one side of me. This other platform they only see one side of me. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> interesting. I mean, I have the same thing. Like I'm not like as big as you, of course, but like, <laughs> you know, my TikTok is just like influencer tips. My like Instagram is like blog life, like yeah. <laughs> not blog fashion blogger. girly, but like, I don't know, like that is, that's it's more inter- lifestyle. Yeah. It's interesting trying to marry the two. And, but why do you want to marry the two? I feel like I want my audience to see my entire personality okay. and I don't want to create content that would just like be viral, you know, because sometimes like you get stuck in these like when creators do like what I eat in a day or what I spend in a day and that's the only content that like is viral. So they're stuck in this like hamster wheel and being a content creator, if you're not inspired by your work, you feel really burnt out like in two seconds. So you have to create content that just moves you even though the numbers suck. So just being who you are, creating content that brings joy to you, then it doesn't feel like you're on a hamster wheel because every day you have to feed the algorithm and it becomes a lot. (laughs) No, it totally does. And you've obviously become like viral on TikTok. Have you seen that on Instagram too? Or is that just like harder to like tap? It's a little harder because I don't put enough, I put more energy in my TikTok. So I post daily on TikTok. Instagram is like three to four times. Because the algorithm there, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't fight with her today. Yeah. So I just. She is nasty, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So, and on TikTok, it's just so fun for me to open it up to create content, to be myself, that I'm more motivated to be active on there. And then Instagram, it's kind of just like some of my followers aren't even active. So it's really hard to like grab my viewers back. How did you initially get a following on Instagram? Because that's where you started. Yes. So I, in like 2013, it was like peak. My, in, my influencer life. Peak blog. Yeah, peak. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting invited to events. People are paying me $300 a post. I'm killing yes. it. And then I got so scared. Like I got nervous with the inbound and I was like, oh my gosh, like I just, I need to go to corporate life and just focus on like one salary instead of like, it was so new, right? Like getting emails, getting gifting. And I was like, oh, I just can't handle it. It's like so overwhelming that getting a corporate job was just better. So I took a step back. So I grew it in like 2013, Mm. around there, and I just like left it and became a corporate girly. And now I'm like transitioning back into my Instagram. So I think my audience is like all phases of my life. So I need to hone in. I think that's really interesting though. All phases of life, like they came to you as like, oh, she's a content creator. Wait, no, she actually worked in corporate. Yeah. Now she's kind of a little bit of both. Yeah. I think audiences kind of grow with you. It's like nice. Okay, so 
influence it. How are you making money doing what you're doing? Okay, um, you guys want to yeah. know the funny thing? You know how I, I'm not like on Instagram actively? That's where all my money is coming from, which I know. I need to get over my mental like slump of like, I hate this algorithm, so I'm not going to be on because I'm protesting right now. But that's where all my money's who coming from. Who are you from. protesting? Meta or who? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I'm protesting. Yeah. <laughs> protesting, but that's where the bulk of my money is coming from. I'm like, oh my gosh. My boyfriend talks to me all the time. He's like, you know, you need to get over your personal issues and you're a content creator now, so you need to like get Hold on your schedule. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I create from energy. And he was like, no, you need to get on a schedule, girl. You need to create from money. <laughs> yeah. I love your boyfriend as your manager. <laughs> he just like motivates me because I'm very emotional and he's very like business and like helps me see the other side because I'm like, oh, I just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, but think about long term. Like, what are your goals? You want to buy a house? think about it and yeah. I was like oh okay get to post it I'll, I'll think about it on Instagram story. yeah <laughs> so you do brand collaborations on Instagram like I think you saw new face is that right <gasps> new face Kula skincare so beauty primarily yes and do these brands just reach out to you or how do they come about so I'm on a couple of platforms and I think that helps give me like f- visibility but I do like it's all inbound Okay, Luckily. what platforms are you on? So I'm on four. Love that one. And I'm on, I think, Creator IQ or Aspire IQ. Aspire IQ. Okay. Yes. And then I'm also on Shop My Shelf. It's like um, affiliate. Yes. Yeah. But the platform is so clean, easy to add your links. And they are just grabbing really cool brands like Tatcha's on there, all these like prestige brands. And you get brand paid brand deals from, from them? Not from them, but I get gifting. Okay. And then I just create content and it's commission essentially are you on ltk no i need to oh my gosh i know i know yeah i'm not on it that's like you would kill it yeah Yeah. you would kill it on the links yeah what am i waiting for i don't know (laughs) and then amazon affiliates but it's kind of iffy buying beauty on amazon right like oh i I try to stay away okay just because unless it's like from the actual store it's dicey yeah okay that's what i heard that was like news to me i didn't know that. yeah (laughs) i've been on my clean journey i learned that okay and do you have a manager that helps you no, I manage myself. Okay. Uh, well, Are I, you looking? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I work with two managers and it's not like exclusive. So okay. when they bring me deals, I give them a percentage. Okay. But I do work with my lawyer. So like he looks at all my agreements, even like my consulting side, and then he takes a percentage. Okay. But being on the brand side, I know how to redline my own agreements. So that's really helpful. But I think once I get busier and my workload's a lot, because people don't realize that for a for a post to go live, there's 50 emails that have Easily. been like are being exchanged and like products and communication. So that is time that I can have back in my day that I'm like happy to give a manager because it's a lot of work. And then a lot of brands are like, can you do a reshoot? Can you talk to us? Can you do this? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I think for now, my workload is very manageable and I can do it myself. But maybe at the end of the year, when I scale a little bit more, I'm going to need to offset my email communications too much. Yeah, no, I mean, that's literally what Jess and I do all day. And it's like 4,000 emails for like one Instagram story. <laughs> yes. Sometimes like we didn't need to get here. But yeah, here like are. you're on a briefing Zoom call to talk about like a 30 second clip, which it's like, it's a lot. Yeah. So yeah, to manage that yourself and also create the content is 
it's an undertaking. What are priorities for you in taking a partnership? Because like obviously all the inbound requests, you're not going to take all of them. There are some opportunities that you're like not a fit. What are things that you look for in a partnership and like with a brand? I think like long-term partnerships that really fit and align that I can see myself working with for like three months or brands that I just really believe in that I'm like, oh my gosh, my audience would love to try this or like this would help them so much, especially like a probiotic or a skincare product. And I think for me, just what's fun. So like if I'm really crazy about this like lactic acid serum, I'm like, oh, I got to I gotta get in, the, in there and create this content for them. So like having fun, longevity, and like new and emerging brands, like I love to just build that connection with like Starface or something and grow with them. Because I think growing with a brand as a content creator is so important because you both can help each other with like visibility in the space. I like that. Yeah, that is a smart way of thinking about it. I also think these like newer indie brands are like so quick and innovative too versus the household names that we all know, like an Estee or L'Oreal. And it's it's a lot quicker to get on their radar. And like you said, it's it's beneficial for both of you to grow together. Do you find that mostly it's the brands directly emailing you or agencies that represent beauty brands? It's half-half, and I love working with brands directly. I think you can just get your point across. Sometimes the agencies are working with so many different brands that I think they forget that they had the combo with me already. I'm like, girl, we already talked about this. <laughs> we already <laughs> had know? a pretty call. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> or they'd be like, oh, can you do this again? I'm like, no, we already agreed on this, so I, like, I can't do this. So I think for me, I love talking to the brand directly because when you're working with someone who gets their job, I'm only sending like five emails. I'm like, yes, the best. Yeah, yeah. And on TikTok, you grew, are you like 25,000? Yeah. Which quickly, right? Kind of? I think like two months. I know. Okay, so how did you do it? Like, how do you do it? Tips and tricks. Let's go. Okay, so anything in your life that's causing you pain, you need to eliminate it. (laughs) That was me working 9905. That should be on a t shirt. (laughs) Ali, I'm quitting. (laughs) (laughs) You're quitting, I'm quitting. So I think my biggest thing of creating content on TikTok was I was spread so thin in my life, like showing up for my sister, showing up for work, being a manager, that I took that off my plate and I was like, oh my goodness, like I feel like myself again. So I think energetically just being at a good place where you don't feel like you're pressured to make these things because someone's telling you to. So I think that's the most important thing. And then like I just have fun with my platform. Like when I open that thing up, I have my notes app and I like jot down like topics and questions and when people are like oh can you talk about this next like I'll just jot it down and I think my content comes from the heart and I don't really think about views or like structure you know sometimes people are like this is how you go viral you need a hook you need this you need that I really just press play and start talking to the camera and I think that's been so helpful just having tunnel vision because I did sit down and like write notes I'm like how to blow up how to this and then I'm like oh it's too much and it's like I lose my personality in that structure and on TikTok how you are successful is you're just your raw authentic self and you do things your way that's how I see like the Alex Earls and the Kennys like they just they're they're themselves so I try to be my most authentic self and on days where like I don't have any inspo I'll try to like not force it because I think my audience just knows that like, oh my God, you're just forcing it just to post for the day. So when I do have energy, I try to bank it up. Like I try to do like two, three videos, save it and then release those on days that I don't feel inspired. I think also you're so intuitive and this is a testament to your experience. I think with probably your corporate life, maybe like you understand 
what a viewer wants to see. And I also feel like audiences, we talk about this all the time, they're so smart. So they will smart. Catch on yeah. and sniff you out. Yeah, they yeah. will feel like she's forcing this. Like, I'm not going to give her a like. And they're just so smart these days. I just feel like that's such great advice. I love that. Well, this episode has been <laughs> amazing. You are like a I'm wealth so of knowledge. Um, okay, where can people follow you? You guys can follow me on Lazy Girl Glam on what Instagram. It, what is Lazy Girl again? So back in the day when I used to do beauty content, like 2013, I wanted to like teach someone how to do a quick glam in like five minutes with feel your best. That was like my whole thing. And I just never changed the handle. So I, love <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I still like it. Lazy Girl Glam. And then on TikTok, you guys, so I own Lazy Girl Glam, but I forgot my password. So I had to make another one, Lazy Girl Glam 22, which I'm I'm going to switch Yeah, it let's get you connected Ooh. with someone yes. at TikTok to figure that out. We'll please. chat offline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. please. Uh, and then my agency is called That's Over Budget. You can email me at hello at that'soverbudget.com. I'm kind of full at the moment, but like still, I would love to get in touch. Yeah, let's <laughs> chat. Oh, yeah. this was perfect. Thank you. You're the best. Thank, Thank you. you for having me on.